Welcome into the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, joined by A. Sherrod Blakely. And before we get into basketball, Sherrod, I have a more important matter. I knew this was coming. Do you know what it is? Yeah, go go ahead. Boston College lacrosse beats Syracuse in the national championship. Women's lacrosse, get it right. The women, you're... Your Why does people. it have to distinguish whether they're women or men? Either way, they because won. the men because the men aren't that good and the women are good. So major You're props right. to the BC Eagles today, not the BC Ooh, Pigeons, the Eagles. I'll take that. <laughs> I absolutely, I, I absolutely saw this coming. I absolutely saw this coming, and I was ready. I was ready for this to give y'all your pro- y'all handle your business. Y'all handle your business. You got your national championship. I'm glad there's a, at least one sport at BC that is about winning championships. You're right. I'm not even mad at you for that no. comment. Well, I'm, we got I'm happy that. for y'all. I'm happy now for y'all. Let's talk about the Boston Celtics. Who? Goodness oh, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we could talk about lacrosse for the rest of the podcast if you would like. Y'all don't <laughs> want that. You don't want that. Shout out to my one half of the Gay Brothers, the head coach of the Syracuse women's lacrosse team. Uh, this was as far as his teams have, have gone. And, and again, they're, they're going to be back in the pitch. I, I, I'm not worried about them. But, but give BC credit. You handle your business. Had an amazing game. Your goalkeeper was amazing. Uh, put the clamps on, on our, our scores. Did their thing. So major props to the BC Eagles. <laughs> and that didn't even hurt. I thought that might hurt, but that didn't hurt. That, that didn't hurt. hurt at all. <laughs> Humility, it never hurts to be humble. <laughs> but let's talk about games three and four. Mm. Yeah. Home, I mean, here's the thing. They got game three, which was a, a feel-good moment. I mean, they, they needed that desperately. But game four was like the reality check. Yeah. Game four was kind of what we expected this series to be like, uh, where just the fury and firepower – of that Brooklyn Nets team was more than enough to compensate for whatever defensive shortcomings they have. And they got quite a few. Uh, I mean, they put up 141 points in game four and they could have easily put up 150, 160. Right. Uh, they're that good. They're that explosive. And the Celtics, I give them credit. They, they showed some, some legit fight and some legit grit in both of those games. Uh, but when you're talking about playing a team like Brooklyn and you don't have Jalen Brown, you don't have Kimball Walker in game four. Oh, you don't have Robert Williams. You're, that's half of your top six players against a team that even at full strength, if you can just be competitive, forget about beating. If you can just be competitive, that's a victory in itself. You had no shot. Uh, the they had Celtics no shot in game four. No shot at all. The main Celtics actually probably had a better shot than the Boston Celtics did. Yeah, you might say that. You might say that. But the one, but one of the few highlights I will say for the Celtics they had to feel good about was Tatum. Uh, he dropped put after putting a fifty piece on him so in Game Three. He came back with a forty piece, not quite as spicy as that fifty piece, yeah. but it was still good. Uh, the thing I liked about Tatum in Game Four was the aggressiveness, even though it was an uphill battle. I mean, he got to the line seventeen times. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jason Tatum can go weeks without getting to the line that many times, let alone getting there in one game. So he did a lot of good things for them. But again, there was just too much that Brooklyn had going on that, you know, they, they just were, they just were the better team. Exactly. And it just goes to show that Tatum can perform the way that we've talked about him performing this entire season. But at the end of the day, you can't be the only one 
that is scoring for this team. And we mentioned, I mentioned, I think two podcasts ago, we said, who do we think needs to step up? And we've seen Evan Fournier with some sparks, a little aggression with the other players. Even Marcus Smart has done what he can, but it's looking like Tatum is the only guy right now on offense. And that's clearly not going to win them the series. So no, I'm willing no, to bury it at this point. No, I mean, I, I think most people felt if they could just be competitive in the mm-hmm. series, that right. you hate the whole moral victories and all that crap, right. but it's real. I mean, Brooklyn right. is that much better than them on paper. And if they can just hold their own, you know, you, you feel somewhat good about this team. But but, but Brooklyn's going to get past the Celtics. We know that it's not a matter of, you know, if it'll happen. It's just a matter of when. Will they do it in Brooklyn in game five or will it come back to Boston? God knows why it will mm. come back to Boston where game six. It shouldn't come to that. Brooklyn should handle their business at home. But, you know, we, we made a big deal about the crowd and how in game three they got folks in the stands and that was key. And then you had even more folks in game four. And here's my thinking with that. Game three's crowd was kind of what you'd expect in a preseason exhibition game. Uh-huh. And the thing about those type of crowds is you can hear everything they're saying with clarity. Uh-huh. And when they boo, you don't hear the boos. You hear the specific words that oh, they are oh. putting on. Exactly. Exactly. But when you've got a full house, it numbs that sound. It becomes more like white noise than mm-hmm. actual in your ear annoyance. And, and so for, for Kyrie Irving, it was kind of like a regular season game. And we we know what he can do in regular season games. He gets buckets. He mm-hmm. was absolutely unstoppable in every sense of the word. I mean, him, Harden and Durant, I think they combined for like 106 points. Uh, and it was easy they put an easy C note on the Celtics. Wasn't he? I mean, they didn't even have to dig deep into the wallet to pull out that C note. Right. It and it wasn't that... surprise. Yeah. So I look, I'm I'm cool with how this thing is playing out. I mean, they, they won a game, they save face, they will not get swept, which mm-hmm. is frankly that that's what you wanted to avoid at all costs. But you know, as good as they may feel about competing, there was some negativity in this series that we saw in game four. Um, mm-hmm. a certain individual. Mm. Um, individual who for a while was referred to as Boston Celtics fan, but his real name is Cole Buckley, 21 years old from Braintree, who threw the water bottle in Kyrie Irving's direction. And I'm, listen, my thing is this, first of all, it was stupid for what he did Mm -hmm. just on, on every sense, every level. But I want those who are reporting on this to refer to him as Cole Buckley, 21-year-old from Braintree, not Celtics fan, because when Kyrie Irving stomped on, you know, the, the Leprechaun logo, we didn't say a we didn't say a Brooklyn Nets player. Yeah. You know, yeah. when 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 what Russell Westbrook had popcorn tossing, and we didn't just say someone who plays for the Washington Wizards. No, hell no, we call, we put their name on it. The yeah. same thing should go for knuckleheads like you know Cole Buckley. The same thing should go for that knucklehead in New York who tried to spit on Trey. Trey um, yeah. And the same thing goes for for those those bunch of ass wipes in, in Utah who try to go at, at uh, John Moran's family in the stands. And also thousands of fans before that that have attacked black, specifically black players in different mm-hmm. arenas around the country. And, we, you know, a lot of people are saying that you can't prove whether or not it's race related. But when you have fans calling someone's family half breeds, that sounds like racism to me. And well, they know so it is. The NBA needs to figure out a way to regulate this. And I know that this fan that in not, excuse me, Cole in Boston is definitely getting banned. He's already being charged with felony um, assault, but there needs to be, I think something way more 
penalizing for stuff like this so that players, uh, fans realize that this is not acceptable. Just because you're going into someone's home, essentially, whether they're a home or away team, you're going to someone's workplace and you're assaulting them. And if you were in any other industry, you go to a doctor's office and you try to assault a doctor, you're getting arrested. You're going to jail. You're going to be banned from going to that place ever again. And that needs to be done with the NBA as well. Well, the the, th- the thing that that Kwani that that I think a lot of people don't want to embrace, but it's, it's it's the truth, is that when athletes, particularly NBA players, um, perform at a level that some folks don't agree with, there's this false sense of ownership that they yes. have that they think they have over players, and when players let them know that no, you're here to watch the game. You're not here to, to to treat me any old way. Like if you go to the doctor's office and you don't like the 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 bedside manner, what you're just gonna roll up on a doctor, right? No. If if you if you go to Walmart or you go to any department store and you don't like the way that you don't like that the you don't like the cost of what you're buying, go to what, you're just gonna you're just gonna roll up on the cashier because you don't like the no. No, you're not going to do that. And so why would you feel that you have the right to do that with with professional basketball players? Mm -hmm. And when you start, and and again, the the racist dynamic of all of this stuff is is so obvious because you don't, you see guys in tennis who Mm. suck. You don't see folks rolling on, you don't see folks coming out the stands going after them. When you go to golf matches and you see guys choke left and right, missing putts, and, and missing the greens on shots that they normally make, you may hear some moans and groans from the crowd, but yeah, you, don't don't see throwing, you don't see people, you know, you know, throwing water bottles or, or throwing, mm-hmm. you know, they they crumpets and they 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 nice sandwiches onto the golf right. course. You don't see none of that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, in the NBA, which is predominantly black league, you you see that stuff. And I don't think that players should go into the stands because as someone who was in Detroit yeah, at the Malice at the Palace, that's just a horrible idea. But you understand the mindset of athletes who are sick and tired of this. Mm-hmm. And if, if if Russell Westbrook would have gone up in the stands and went after whoever threw that popcorn on him, yeah. he would be wrong for doing that. Yeah. But you would understand why it happened. Right. If that bottle would have hit Kyrie and Kyrie and his teammates went up in that stands looking for that person, they would have been wrong. But mm-hmm. you, would under, you would understand where they're coming from. The NBA has to do something about this before mm-hmm. these players will do wrong but it will be understandable. Doesn't mean it was right. Doesn't mean you condone that. But you understand where that mindset is coming from, particularly when you start seeing a pattern of this stuff happening mm-hmm. and nothing is done tangibly to stop that. And, and to your point about the mouth in the palace, there was actually a meme that was surfacing in regards to when Kyrie had stepped on Lucky or whatever the mm-hmm. name of the leprechaun is. And it was quote tweeted saying, uh, no, sorry. It wasn't about the the stepping on the logo. It was actually about the fan that had thrown the bottle at Kyrie. And the quote tweet said, Ron Artest was not in the wrong for fighting that fan. And yes, it's been years since that happened, but we've seen it recur time and time again. And at the end of the day, if a, a player doesn't feel as though they're protected, I'm not going to be mad at them for protecting themselves. And these fans, as we keep calling them, need to realize that, first of all, this person is way more athletic than you. So you're really putting your life on the line by trying to be the aggressor and really in trying to get something out of them. And another point I saw online is the fact that if you were to walk into Kyrie on the street, I I would be willing to bet my apartment that you would not confront him or throw a bottle at him because you're he's not, not com- trained. Exactly. So yeah. 
be about it. Like, just I'm I'm sick of it. It's really disgusting. Well, yeah, it, it, it is. It is. And, and the other dynamic in all of this, and I think it's it's kind of fil- it it filters into where the state of, of sports is right now. And, and with all so many athletes making their voices heard, uh, bringing about social justice issues that we haven't talked about in the past, it's forced a lot of fans to embrace something that I don't think they've really felt they needed to. And that is humanity. Um. These athletes are human. They hmm. have feelings. They have thoughts. They they can do more than just knock down jump shots and jump forty inches and some change out of the air. They can do Ooh. more than they can do more than be just your entertainment. They actually have ideas and thoughts on things outside of basketball. Just like if you are a dentist or a lawyer or someone who works at the local pharmacy, you've got ideas beyond just sliding that that item through the cash register or make sure you know Quanny got her molars in just right you have mm-hmm. other you have other things that you actually give a damn about and yeah. sometimes you 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 talk about them whether it's in the office whether it's outside the office but they're things that come up in conversation mm-hmm. professional athletes are no different and yet when they speak and they they talk about topics that are somewhat uncomfortable uh they're comfortable to having those conversations but their audience is not uh, so, anyway, I just want us to can we all get along as Ronnie King was at? Um, and the answer is no, we can't. Uh, it's, it's obvious that we can't. But what we can do is we can look at this playoff series. See, I know you thought I was going to do. I'm throwing you a curveball. I'm throwing you a curveball. What we can do is is look a little bit closer at, at at really some of the components of this series and just, I mean, Jason Tatum. We talked a little bit about just how he played. Um, and he did it without Kimba Walker. He did it without Robert Williams. What's, how do you think this thing is going to play out going forward? Like if, if you're Brad Stevens and let's just say Robert Williams and Kimba are questionable to play in game five, do you play those guys? And if you do, what, what can you possibly expect them to give you? I know I'm not a coach and I don't get paid to be a coach, but I say don't play them. The series, and I know this sounds like a defeatist attitude, but the series is essentially over. Do you really want to risk injuring Kemba and Robert Williams even more for something that is not as achievable as fans may want to think? I just don't think it's worth it because if Kemba goes into that game and goes down, God forbid, what do you say to your team when season? You put him into a game that they all knew that technically they couldn't win. And I know, again, I know coming from a sports and athletic mentality, you don't want to go into a game thinking that you're going to lose. I know that's not acceptable, but you have to be realistic and say, what are my long-term plans? What are my long-term goals? And if Kemba and Robert Williams are in your long-term five-year plan, or even, I guess five years is a little too much, but maybe two to three-year plan. Year two. Can I get two? Over Kemba at least. (laughs) then why would you be willing to risk them going down in one game that could affect, uh, potentially affect the next season that's ahead? And I think this team needs to be thinking forward. They have a lot of good players on that squad that need to just get healthy and regroup for next season. That's the mentality that I have. Again, I'm not a coach, but I think that's just the most logical thing to do if you really do care about your future. Well, here, here's the thing. I, I think coming into this series, the Celtics, they, they knew that their chances of winning it were slim from the very yeah. jump, even if they had everyone healthy. Mm-hmm. What they've shown in the last couple of games is that they can compete. Yes. And they've shown the ability to compete with whoever they have on the roster. And frankly, that's what Celtics fans have been wanting all season, mm-hmm. a team that competes regardless of who the opponent is. They've yeah. shown that. 
Yeah, going in game five, I'm not sure that that compete level is necessarily going to be ratcheted up if you have Kimba Walker and Robert Williams available. Yeah. Now, if both of those guys are healthy enough to play and they can play whatever their normal minutes are, yeah. then fine, play That's them. It. But if you know that you're going to have to limit their minutes uh, if you put them out there, I just don't see the upside yeah. of doing that. Because to yeah. me, at that point, all you're doing is you're putting them in harm's way of them suffering an even more significant setback than whatever it is they're dealing with now that limits them. And if from a on multiple levels, that's problematic. First and foremost, if you plan to keep those guys around, it does potentially limit how available they'll be in the offseason to gear, gear up and get ready for next season. Yeah. If you're thinking about making a blockbuster move, and, and if that's the case, you want to have all your assets potentially available yeah. on the table and if yeah. you're if you're trying to holler at you know any team right. and you they look at your roster and be like damn but we huh. sort of kind of like Kimba but he ain't available till like you know the start of the season if that and Robert Williams we like him too but damn he hurt too okay that's that's two cats that we kind of like that you have that have value that we can't really work with you so you're either going to include them and give us more stuff than we would probably be able to ask for or you're not going to get a deal done. And so I think it, it is in their, in their best interest to, if those guys aren't 100%, make sure that you keep them on the side. But you know what is in our best interest? And that is to give a shout out to our sponsors, betonline.ag. That is where you get the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. And unfortunately, around here, we're probably going to be paying more attention to that sooner than we thought we would. Uh, we can track all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NBA playoffs, which probably ain't going to have the Celtics in it much longer. Not trying to be Debbie Downer about things, but that's just keeping it real, folks. Um, Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything and everything you can imagine. Before the oh, next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of our 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And that that but promo code is CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Now, Kwani. Yes. We touched on it earlier. Mm-hmm. Your boy Kyrie Irving. Stepping mm. on the leprechaun. Oof. That wasn't right. Okay. That wasn't right. So there is so much to unpack out of this Kyrie Irving saga. Well, let's just start with the carry-on. We we can the, the checked-in baggage, we can say that for another, but let's start with the carry-on, okay? <laughs> okay, let's do that. So you want to talk about the logo? Yeah. yeah. That's the carry-on. I, I understand the disrespect. I it, it was blatant, it was in your face. Mm. Literally walked over there and intentionally stepped on Lucky's closed eye and dragged his foot. He didn't just step on and stuff. He 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 stuck the heel up in that bad boy and slid it back. If we had audio, you could hear the squeaks of his feet when he dragged it. And that that's personal. It was personal. And shout out to the fan that was able to capture that moment so that people were able to consume that piece of content. I'm not condoning what he did. And I don't even think that Cole throwing the bottle was that was mutually exclusive. I'm not sure. I can't speak for Cole. But either way, I don't think that obviously either party was right. But if it was a reaction to him stepping on the logo, obviously that is not okay. Either way, it's not okay. But if that's the result, that doesn't make sense. The thing about Kyrie, and I've 
the the interesting part has been watching this conversation play out on social media. And I've purposely, I, you know, I got into one of my first Twitter arguments a few days ago because, I mean, that's a whole other wormhole, but someone called Jalen Brown a sellout for the comments that he made in response to Kyrie Irving. Exactly. And that's that was the first time I was like, you know what? I hate Twitter arguments and I know they're pointless, <laughs> but I got into it with this woman and she didn't really understand where I was coming from. And I think the core of it is the fact that and you mentioned this a little bit earlier about how fans feel the need to own players. And from my perspective, especially us as media members, the only people that I think should be able to comment on Kyrie Irving's years here are media members that were directly in contact with him over that. Because there are media, media members that have been commenting on the situation that have never stepped foot in the locker room. And, for, and from my perspective, it's it may sound a little elitist, but it's like you literally never even met that guy to be forming an opinion on him. You're basing your opinion from what you've read, from what you've seen, which I know media, that is a job for us to inform people and for them to create an opinion. But I've seen so many things where it's like he interacted with media. He interacted with some of his teammates. There are some things that I've heard that may not be like it, like fans would not like to hear it. But either way, until all of this information is public, I feel as though the attacks that he's had on him from fans are unwarranted because they never really had that interaction. I know that he did promise to resign. I I do understand that the promise was made and broken, but I still don't feel as though they, I feel as though they're using that as a catapult for the disgusting behavior that we've seen. And for Boston to be such a storied franchise and for the fans to act in the way that they have, I, I I don't know. I'm just not understanding why it's one, why it's come this far, and also how people are able to justify the way that they've talked about Kyrie, the things that they've said. Again, I know he's been the aggregator in a lot of the situations, but it, it's really it doesn't sit well with me because you view it from a media perspective, and you're like, all right, he's definitely had some issues with media. But then you, you view it from a, a a race lens, and you're like, okay, a lot of this is very has a lot of racial undertone. So that's what has made it really conflicting for me because again, we've been in that locker room. We understand the things that have gone down over the last, those last two years when he was here. But at the same time, I'm not a fan of the way people are reacting because I feel as though their intentions are not from a standpoint of actually understanding, but rather let's just hop on this bandwagon of attacking him. Well, here's the thing. Well, first of all, Kyrie on many levels makes it easy. Uh, because yes. of some of the things he, he's a very uh, polarizing individual with his, with his thoughts. And, and, and but here's the issue that well, one of the issues that uh, comes about when these type of, of incidents happen is that it serves as a reminder for me of the distinction between Boston Celtics, the organization and Boston Celtics fan base. When you yes. listen to Bill Russell. When you listen to Satch Sanders, when you listen to folks, Marcus Smart, folks who have been in this organization talk about the issues that they've had, almost never is it involved the organization. And it yeah. almost always involves a segment of the fan base. And the one thing that people, I, you know, I, I think they, they sometimes lose sight of is that when you are talking about, you know, what they like to refer to as a few bad apples, that shouldn't spoil the whole bunch. You know, shout out to my chemistry teacher, Dr. Beulah Durr, who taught me early on that a few bad apples will absolutely spoil the bunch. There is this stuff called ethylene gas that bad apples emit. And if 
it speeds up the ripening process of all the apples and makes them bad. So that whole concept is applied not only from a pure scientific standpoint, but also from the standpoint when you're talking about human beings who are not good people, who make bad decisions that have a domino effect and Mm -hmm. thus infect the whole fan base. So there's that element. And the, the other point I'll bring up on this one is this. One of the things that I think fans have to embrace is that whether it's NBA players, whether it's baseball players, regardless, these are human beings who have thoughts. You don't have to agree with how they feel, but you should at least respect them enough to where if you, you can agree to disagree. And it's, it's like we've kind of lost sight of that a little bit because like Kyrie says a lot of things that I don't agree with. But hell, he's a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. He should be able to express how he feels. And right. it's my point to disagree with him. And if yeah. I want to yell at him and scream at him and boo at him, that's fine. But am I going to throw stuff at him? What I no. do, if I saw him on the street, would I throw something at him? I might holler at him. I might say something, boo him and, and call him some names in public. I might do that. Right. But am I going to throw something at him? No. And so if you're a fan, ask yourself, am I doing something now that I would do to him if I were on the street? Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think if a fan saw Kyrie on the street, they might say something. Um, yeah. Not all fans, but I think some would say something. And I would have no issue with that because, again, they have the right to feel how they do. But when you take it to that next step, that level, and you start throwing stuff, mm-hmm. that's 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 crazy. And as far as him stepping on the logo, let me tell you something. All right. Yeah. Let me that, that is so that's, – that's not that unusual. We see that happen all the time. Hell, we saw Terrell Owens do that in the Super Bowl years ago. We've seen, we've seen athletes do that, and it is a sign of disrespect. There's no question about that. But here's the thing. You know what it comes from? It comes from them – being the victor it comes from them handling their business it comes from whatever team that you support not getting the job done and and to me again Kyrie was wrong for doing that but I wouldn't call it like some people refer to as classless um it's wrong but just because you're wrong doesn't mean you're classless um and and so again there's there's a lot of as as look we're just dealing with the carry-on luggage with this joint. I mean, we could go much deeper into the to the checked-in luggage associated with this. And we might I just oral history podcast at one point because there's so much to unpack. And and again, I I, I was thinking about this a few days ago, and it, it's it feels as though a lot of people are protecting Kyrie because if people really wanted to talk about the stuff that happened when he was here, there was good, but there was also bad, and. I think that not enough is even known for people to really just be out here throwing all these words out. And it's it's like, you weren't even there. Like you, you're just trying to be a part of this. Like you said, you're, you're a fan versus being a part of the franchise. And, and that is something that people need to realize. Like you aren't privy to have specific opinions like that. And you go to the logo as well. I think it, it's related because it's symbolic. It's not an actual human being. It is a painting on the ground. And I get, I know with even the Bruins locker rooms, you're not allowed, the dressing rooms, you're not allowed to step on their logo. Like that's a media rule, at least when I would go in there, like make sure you don't step on the logo. I get the symbolism behind it. But if we're being realistic, it they, they don't correlate. The two of them are not equal. And that's the thing that is not getting in people's heads. Like even if you really saw this as a sign of disrespect, throwing a bottle like lord knows if it had hit him if you had thrown it the right way you could have done some damage. i know it's just a bottle but it's still literally putting someone's health at risk versus a leprechaun painted on the ground 
Come on. Right. And, and if you and if you don't have enough respect for Kyrie Irving, have respect for the organization that you're cheering. Right. You have respect the for the players on that organization and what they're trying to do, because you it, it, it to me, it, it is such it. I guess it's an amazing privilege to have in life where you don't even think about what that what your actions will do to others. Because mm-hmm. this is a direct reflection on the Celtics organization, even though they literally had nothing to do right. with this. And that's the thing that I, you know, when I hear people talk about how Boston is a racist city and the Celtics are this, that, and the other, they need to be clear about the distinction. The Celtics mm-hmm. as an organization have consistently shown that who they are. When you look mm-hmm. at just some of the all, some of the first that they have been a part of in the NBA, that other organizations had just as many opportunities to be the first, but for, but the Celtics were. Uh, when you talk about first starting five, all black. When you talk about black first black NBA head coach, you start. I mean, you can go down the line of, of just racial issues that the rest of the country was grappling with that the Celtics tackled head on. And then mm-hmm. you look at the backdrop. They did that in an environment where it was not conducive to what they were doing. They yeah. knew there was going to be pushback. They knew that they were going to, there was going to be, you know, difficult times because of that fan base. And the sad part is that things don't look all that different now. You have an organization that's trying to do right, invest in millions in different social justice initiatives. And then you got knuckleheads like Cole Buckley of Braintree, 21 years old, mm-hmm. just doing what fans should never, ever be doing. Ever. So I have to add a point to that. I saw that Danny Danny Ainge recently said that in his 26 years in Boston, he has not heard of incidents related to racism, at least in regards to his players. Even though Marcus Smart in October did write a Players Tribune piece where he mapped out two incidents that he had when it came to racism, I actually quote tweeted that quote of Danny and put the article resurfaced it in case. People had missed it. And someone that follows me said he actually, I don't, I can't confirm. I would have to do a little more digging. But this person told me that he witnessed that incident of when Marcus was crossing and a woman basically yelled some slurs to him with her son next to him and next to her. And it, it just goes to, that is something that has been bothering me over the last few days because I don't think that the Celtics are the more racist franchise in the NBA. But I think that is maybe, maybe highlights the NBA as a whole. First of all, the fact that we call them owners is definitely very problematic. But there is the, there is definitely still a divide between the ownership of a team and the players. And I'm not saying that, again, the Celtics are the only one with this issue. But hearing those comments did not sit well with me because if Danny was able to say that, then I'm sure that there are other owners, I hate using that word, that have maybe, maybe been a little tone deaf to the things that their players are going through. So... That is the only situation when it comes to the franchise itself where you look at that comment and it doesn't sit well because a player has literally in the last year been vocal about something that he's experienced and it doesn't seem as though this owner has acknowledged that. Well, that that I think the key word words is tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's there's no way that you could be having your antennas even moderately raised for these yeah. type of issues and not experience. Hell, one of your current players. <laughs> um, wrote about it, talk we as talked about it. Um, it. Here's what it, it reinforces, and this is from a, from a ba- purely basketball. When you keep it about basketball for a mm-hmm. moment, it reinforces why you hear all the stories from different agents, different players who are reluctant yeah. to come to Boston. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because as much as, as as the Celtics have done historically, it's about what are you doing now? How are you aligning yourself with where things stand now? And to hear the, the president of basketball operations, you know, say that when everyone knows that's not true. Hell, I mean, you don't need to be in that locker room to know what Marcus Smart has talked about. You don't need to be in that locker room to know Tristan Thompson double downs on that from when he was in Cleveland and stuff that he's experienced. Bruce Brown, who is from Boston, plays for the Brooklyn Nets. He's talked about, you know, some of the things that he's going through. You start looking at all these damn receipts and all these damn examples, and you say, wait a minute, how could you not see or hear any of this. And you look at, you listen to the stories from Cedric Maxwell, who he played with. Oh, yeah. You listen yeah. to guys like Sat Sanders. It, it's impossible. No. It's impossible, impossible to not have some sense of awareness of of these of this being something. Brad even talked about, you know, some of the things with fans in the stands that they have dealt with quite. They've dealt with. And I I, I'm going to give Danny a mulligan on that one, because I can't imagine a world that even he would live in where none of that stuff um happened that he knew about none of that stuff that it just never registered i can't i i can't in any way shape or form see how that's possible you played with black in the 80s you i mean i know he said the years that he was working for the team specifically but come on (laughs) i would have been okay with you just being real and saying yes i've heard of it we don't know what exactly we can do you know figure out a game plan or something but that didn't sit well with me what else you got I'm still, I'm still strong. I mean, I, I, when, when I heard that, I was just like, wait, wait, what? what? Um, I, I, I gotta believe that he just had one of the moments that we all have where you just say something and you think about it later, you're like, ooh, because oh, yeah. um, that it just, it just doesn't add up. So, mm-hmm. uh, and and to you know, I'm not trying to defend him, but in my experience with him, yeah. um, he doesn't necessarily fall into the category of someone who could be completely clueless to this type of stuff. Um, Because he's very handsome. So, again, I don't know why he said that, uh, because I I can't possibly believe in my heart of hearts that he believes that to be the gospel, that he believes that's true, that none of this happened and that he never heard about any of this. Because Marcus Smart, again, he was pretty damn public about it. This Mm -hmm. wasn't like something that, you know, we kind of heard through the grave. No, Marcus was just like front and center. Let me tell you all what happened to me. And there's there's no way that you could not know that happened when you're talking and this isn't just some guy some some guy that's on the end of your bench this is the guy who's deemed your heart and soul yeah you would want you would i mean it's it's impossible for that to be the case but look bottom line kwani it's memorial day it is we got we got we got burgers to eat hot dogs to bang out and 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 (laughs) probably some adult beverages to consume so (laughs) anyway what do you got coming this week on NBC 10. It's June. It's almost June. You know what that means? Your birthday? No. Oh. What happens in June? Content-wise. What do you what do you generate content-wise in June? The NBA playoffs. Boom. This what is when it gets ready? real. This is mm. when it gets real. This is mm. when it gets real. I, I, I love quiet. this time. I love this time of year in the NBA because this is when all the fraudulent teams, all the teams that were faking, they nice, they get exposed and they're done. You're left with the this is this is the real ones. The real ones are still rolling. Uh so I'm looking forward to seeing who's coming out of the East. I'm really looking forward to see uh who that's gonna be. Cause Philly is looking Milwaukee is showing that, hey, look, don't sleep. 
don't sleep. I mean, they they literally put the heat to bed in no time. No time. I mean, I don't think anyone would have anticipated they would have swept them. Maybe beat them in five, maybe six games, but a sweep? Didn't see that coming. Philly is doing what they're supposed to do. Boston is doing what they're supposed to do, unfortunately. Uh, the Knicks – the oh, Knicks wow. getting ahead. To Trey Young, look, he's a bad dude. He mm-hmm. is a bad dude. I, I, I will be the first to admit and own it. I, I slept on his game. I did not think yeah. he was this nice. I knew he was good, but I mean, he's like ridiculously nice. Uh, so they're gonna, they're probably gonna get past the Knicks. They're up three one in that series. They should wrap that mm-hmm. thing up and they'll move on and they'll, they'll face Philadelphia, which will be an interesting uh, matchup because Philly will be the heavy favorite for, for sure, but. Atlanta is not to be slept on. And then you got Milwaukee and, and most likely Brooklyn. That's going to be interesting. That'll be a fun one. That's going that to be, be interesting. So matchup that we finally get to see, hopefully, Brooklyn be in a more competitive game because we haven't yeah. obviously seen that in this round. And I, I really want to see how they do under actual pressure. No shade, Celtics fans, but all the shade. <laughs> well, Look, I mean, and we'll and we'll get into you know obviously in the coming weeks just the off season for the Celtics because the off season is near. It's, it's going to be here before you know it. And and I, I do think that their off season isn't nearly as bleak as someone, as, or excuse me, as some folks might think. And we'll talk more about that later. Um, but <laughs> look, I, I'm it, I've seen enough in the last couple of games that gives me a little bit of hope that things aren't going to be nearly as bad going forward as people think they are. Um, oh. There's a couple. There's a couple cats who I think might be on the verge of breaking out next year. That again, if they handle their business the way I think they will this off season, uh, you could be looking at a Celtics team that could easily pop back into that top two, top three conversation in the East. Uh, I don't think they're quite ready at Brooklyn level yet, but they got some. They got some guys, you know, kind of chilling in the weeds who might be ready to come out front and center next year. So. Well, absolutely. But I was saying you missed the joke that I was saying the off season's next week. Next week's episode will be the off season. You missed oh, that. Oh wow! One. Yeah, you got them already eliminated, Kwani. Obviously. <laughs> what did we just talk about for the last? I know, I know, I know. I do too. I do too. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making sure that we were on the same page. And again, I, I would, you know, it would be great if we were dead wrong and they come out and win game five and they come back to Boston and they handle their business in game six and they force a game seven, which to me, Brooklyn, woo. They don't want that smoke. They don't want that smoke. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I don't think really? that's going to happen. We're the realistic A-list pod. What's that? I said we are the realistic A-list podcast. Boom. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom. So, again, another shout-out to our good friends at betonline.ag. Remember to subscribe, like, and leave. Corny and myself, the gift that is always given. Keep the A-list podcast from being history. Five-star review. Make it happen, people. Yes. Um, and I like I've you know I'll, I'll be doing my usual uh, NBA content, playoff content on Bleacher Report and Boston Sports Journal, uh, and you know a couple other things I'll be doing and talking about in the coming weeks that I'll be be jumping into after that. But uh, this was a, this was a good Memorial Day episode, a little yeah. different. Uh, spent way more talk talking about Kyrie than I would want to, but damn it, oh, you, you yeah. can't avoid it. It's, exactly. it. it's that wreck on the side of the road that you know has nothing to do with you, but damn it, you start down. going from you start going 15 miles an hour, just staring it down, and thinking like, damn, glad that wasn't me. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyway, 
For Kwani A. Lunas, A. Shirah Blakely, this is the A-List Podcast, and we will see you soon. We're out. <laughs>